0: Father, even as we are standing in this new month, you have brought us forth into October. Lord, we pray that which is in your heart concerning your church, concerning your people, concerning each one of us, Lord. Lord, may it be done according to your purposes, according to your plans. May it be done according to your your heart's desire for us, Lord. Let nobody, let not a person, let not a person in this place, Lord, miss out. Lord, we pray that nobody will miss out. We ask of you, Father, that you will, you will, you will repeatedly, emphatically speak to us, Father. Give us the discernment. Give us the grace to respond. We don't want to miss out. Help us, we pray. Prepare us, Lord, prepare us. Prepare your people to receive your word. Let there be an openness in this place. Let there be an openness in this place. Openness of the hearts, Open of the spirit openness of the ears, so that your people may hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church, what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thank you, Pa. Come against every form of resistance, rebellion, pride, arrogance, distraction, self-reliance, break its power. Every foul spirit, we cast you out from this place. Every distracting spirit, we cast you out in Jesus' name. We sanctify this atmosphere. We sanctify this atmosphere. We sanctify this place for the ministering of God's word. For, that your people, Father, may be lifted up. That they may be corrected. That may be, they may be revived. That your people be revived, Father. We sanctify this atmosphere in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We sanctify this time. May Jesus be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. October is here. Amen. Today is the 1st of October. It is our our anniversary month. Man, we are completing 8 years as a church. Man, 8th anniversary. Praise God. God is good. I want to encourage you, stay focused on what God is speaking. Stay focused. Michael, stay focused. Focused on what God is speaking. It's very important. He's speaking so much. And it is... In all probability, we can miss out on a lot if you're not focused. We can, we can take it for granted. We can be so disconnected. We can be uh, bothered about other things. Our priorities can be all over the place. And I was considering this about priorities. Say priorities. Prioritizing is a spiritual gift. Do you know that? Ah, That's right, Exactly. He said it's a gift of discernment. No, you prioritize things, why? Because you discern in the spirit, what is important, what is not. So prioritizing is the, the spiritual gift of discernment. And I pray that each one of us have that kind of a, uh, a gift in us. We must desire, that's right, we must desire to operate in that gift. That we will not be found uh, functioning in, a, in the wrong priorities. And oftentimes uh, as Christians, it's, it's shameful for us to even say, but that's the, the, the reality where, where our priorities are all over the place. It's, it's so mixed up. So I want to encourage you to um, get your priorities right. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be. How many of you know the scripture? Then why you didn't say it? One more time. Let's try it out. One more time. Seek first. Kingdom of and his righteousness and all these things. That's right. We all know the scripture, right? Is there anybody who does not know the scripture? Do you know the scripture? Yeah? Anybody who does not know the scripture, we all have learned it. Either in Sunday school or we have heard it being taught, being preached. Uh, you know, we, we've heard it. We've learned it. We've heard, I mean, as a, as a Christian, when you, even as you grew up, as a Christian, you've heard it multiple times over and over. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So what does it mean? What does that mean? Say prioritize. Okay, give, me, give me more. Let me, let me teach you what skeek first means. What does it mean? Prioritize, okay. Yeah, keep it at utmost importance. All right. Sorry? Give it the first preference. That's good. First preference. The first thing on your mind. Seek first means the first thing. What's the first thing on your mind today? I always prompt you by saying lunch and then after service, some of you will come to me and say, why did you say that? We were not thinking about lunch till you said it. The first thing on your mind. What else? Yeah, the first, the, the best, the fat. Huh? What you give your energy to do. Seeking first means what you give your, your prime. Let's keep it like that. What you give your prime to do. The prime of your life. The prime of your energy. The prime of your day. The prime of your attention. The prime of your devotion. You give it to? To what you seek first. His kingdom and his righteousness. What else? Don't worry, beautifully put, don't worry about anything else. That's, so, that's like, a, like a beautiful explanation to seek first. Don't worry about anything else. Say, so don't worry about anything else. Don't worry, say, so don't worry. Say, so don't worry. Why are you worried about other things? Don't worry about anything else. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom. And there's righteousness. Okay, give me, give me more. I want to, I want to hear more. Are you learning something this morning? Are you learning something this morning? Yes. Okay, then give me more. On seek first. Seek first. Say so keep it above. Say so on top. Keep this on top, man. Keep on top. Put it first, amen. Now, how do you do that? Now, we all, we, we, can, we can say that, we can buy heart the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But how do you do that? It's one thing to learn a scripture by your head and another thing to understand it and yet another thing to apply it, practice it. That's right. So how do you practically seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in your daily life? Huh? Sorry? Here, okay. But tell me, like, give me some practical applications of the scripture. Okay, on a Sunday morning. We are on a Sunday morning. How do you seek for the kingdom of God and his righteousness on a Sunday morning? Huh? Get ready to come. Get up early, that's right. Uh, Earlier than usual. Okay, get up earlier than usual. Spend time with God. Who said that? Okay, spend time with God. Get up earlier than usual. Spend time with God and then? Okay, and then on a Sunday morning, break it down. Break it down. On a Sunday morning, what do you do? How do you seek first the kingdom of God? Why are you acting like you don't know this? On a sun, oh, oh, have you forgotten this? On a Sunday morning as a Christian, what are you supposed to do? prepare ourselves and hurrying towards? Say the word. Oh, you all know church. Say church. Church. So that's how we do things. See, nothing is like, like Sheetal pointed out. Don't worry about anything else. On a Sunday morning, don't worry about Anything anything else. Are you worried about something else? Is something worrying you more than Church. Huh? That, should that should be the, say should be, that should be the priority, that you're not worried about anything else on a Sunday morning, Amen. on any Sunday morning. The one thing that consumes your heart, your mind, your passion, your energy, the prime of your being on a Sunday morning is what? Church. Church. Not everyone is saying that because you, you like if you say it, whether you say it or not, this is what the word says. You don't really have to say it for this to be true. Because God said it. So it is true. I'm telling you. Nothing. Say nothing. nothing. Say nothing. nothing. Say nobody. nobody. Say no man. no man. Say no president. No president. Say no king. No king. Oh, you're not saying it. Say no king. No king. Say no queen. No say no pr- uh, to- no, minister. no minister. No president. No president no ruler, no sultan, no policeman, no doctor, no father, no mother, no grandfather, no grandmother, no uncle, no aunt, no brother, no sister, no cousin. Nobody is, nobody is more important. Nothing. Say nothing. Because you choose to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. It is a discipline that you bring about into your life. Amen. It's a spiritual gift of discernment. Amen. So if you don't know this, it only shows that you lack that spiritual gift. Now, it's something that uh, Nisha and I were talking about something. We were having a conversation, and uh, as the person left, you know, we were just talking about it, and she said something that I was meditating on, something I was considering. She said, There's something about a gift, something very weird about a gift, or very very peculiar about a gift. Unless you use the gift, the gift becomes irrelevant. So you can let me uh, uh, explain. So you you might be a, a singer, you are gifted in singing, but if you're not singing, what happens after a while? Your singing goes down. You're still gifted. You're still gifted, but your gift has become a little irrelevant. Say irrelevant. It has become a little corrupted or like, you know, dusted. Say dusted. Why? Because you have not been practicing. Say practicing. The gift is for you to practice. So if you fail to practice, see everyone who is into some form of art or sports or um, you know, skill, you all know the importance of practice. The Bible talks about practice, by the way. The, the Bible has, in fact, has got a lot of allegories with the, the sports and with all those things. Why? Because it is for real. You've got to practice these things. You have to practice seeking fast the kingdom of God and His righteousness on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Not on a, in a once in a while, but on a daily basis. Come what may. Without exception. Without exception. Say without exception. See, a lot of Christians know a lot of word here. Say here. But they, don't, they do not know how, how and where and when to apply what we know here. You know it here. It won't, will not suffice. It won't suffice. It's one thing to know it here, and another thing to understand it, and another thing to put it to practice, man. man? Yes. To to put something to practice. See, okay. Let me ask you something. What's the best way to learn something? Who said that? Yeah. Best way to learn something is practice. For example. You want to learn, okay, let's go back to singing. You want to learn singing. You don't just listen to singing. You don't just listen to classes and singing. You don't just uh, listen to theory of singing. You don't just listen to other people singing. If you have to start singing, you have to start singing. So you practice something to develop that. Are you getting this? See, that's true in, in, in God's word. You can mug up the whole of the Bible. I'm telling you, it's possible. It's humanly possible to by heart almost the entirety of the Bible. I know some people who can just without even opening the, the book, they can speak out, they can say the, the verse. You give them a reference, they'll say it. Not just few, but almost the entire Bible. And they'll say, Okay, Matthew chapter twelve. They'll recite the entire chapter. Have you seen people like that? It is possible. We said that does not, that does not suffice. When it comes to functioning in the, in the kingdom, that is not a credit. It's good. It's good. It's a good, it's a good uh, what do you call it? Discipline to have, but that will not suffice. You have to put it to practice. It has to come out of your head, into your heart, through your senses, and you start practice Amen. practicing it in your daily life. Amen? That's what the Bible says, faith without works is... I'm oh, not responding this morning. Faith without works is... Do some work this morning. Faith without works is... Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Does the Bible say that? Yes. Are you reading another Bible? The Bible that I read tells me that, the, that faith without works is... Yes. Dead. So you got to work. Say work. work. To work means to put it to deed. That's what it means. You got to put it to action. Amen. Amen. The word that you receive must be put to action. You can receive so much of word through the week and completely forget what you received. You can completely forget what you heard from God. Maybe you, you, you uh, preached on it. I can preach a message from God, and forget what I preached. Forget you hearing the word. I'm talking about, uh, the preacher man can preach something, and forget about it. You can have your quiet time. God can speak to you so abundantly, so richly, and come out of that place and within minutes or maybe a, maybe an hour or so, you can forget completely what you, completely what you heard. You know why? Because you have not started applying what you received. So the moment you hear the word of God, it must be put to work. Say put to work. The word of God must be put to work. God's word must be put to work. You hear the word, you receive the word, you start applying it from day one. You put it to work. That's a sign of repentance. Repentance. The word comes to change you, to transform you, to challenge you, to correct you. From day one, you start putting it to practice. Otherwise, the word is, will not profit, the Bible says. The Bible talks about that also. The word that they heard did not profit them. Why? Because they did not unite it with faith. Because if you unite the word that you receive with faith, you will put it to work. You will make the word of God work in your life. Hello. You got to make the word of God work for you. You have to make the word of God work for you don't take credit in being a person who knows a lot of word, unless you start applying it and practicing it and putting it to work and proving the worth of that word, it will not fetch you anything. Now, as, see, Malayalis know, we can brag about the amount of word that we get to hear. Do you know that? We are the most blessed of all people under the sun. You didn't know that. But I'm telling you, there is no race under the sun like the Malayalis, who gets to hear the word of God like us. And that's precisely the reason why some of us are so disinterested and indifferent when it comes to the word of God and the things of God because we have in plenty. We have it in plenty. So, make this a, a practice. You know, if you, are, you, know, you, you make your kids do quiet time, and they, they'll come back to you and say, This is what we, we asked them also, What did you hear? This is what you heard. Okay, fine, you heard that. Now, how are you going to put it to practice? If it's, maybe it's about, say, loving one another or forgiving one another. In five minutes, they are fighting. Siblings are fighting or they had a fight. So, what do you, you tell them? Practice what you received. Practice what you received. You put it to work. The word of God which comes to you must be put to work. You cannot sleep on it. You cannot push it aside. You cannot sideline it. The word that came to you is for your change. It's for immediate consumption. Somebody. You buy a parcel from a restaurant these days, they'll say consume it within two hours or three hours. Otherwise, if something happens to you, we are not responsible. It's a government rule now. Yeah? The word of God is like that. The word must be consumed immediately because God is into giving you daily bread. God is into giving you daily bread. He will not wait for three days. Okay, let me, let this bread become stale and then I'll give the bread. No, he gives you daily bread. New mercies, say new mercies. Everything is fresh. When it comes to God, everything is fresh. It's fresh oil, fresh fresh food, manna do- dropping from heaven. It's, and he will not allow you to keep it like, you know, keep it and, uh, yeah, if you don't use it, and if you're just keeping it aside, it will stale. That's what happened to manna. There are people who took so much, there are pe- people who took little, but people who took so much and t- doesn't, didn't really make any difference, after the day, expire, you say expiry date. When, the, when God gives a, a Rima word, there's an expiry date on it. Not for the logos, but for the Rima word. The spoken word of God has got a time. Say time. It has a time attached to it. If you don't respond to that word in that time, you miss out. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that some of you are getting this. If you don't respond to the word of God within that time, See, God God has, see, that's how it is. That's why it's equated to seed. It's a seed. It's a clock inside the seed. It knows when to sprout. It knows when to come forth. It knows when to produce. Yeah, it knows it. Why? Because there's a clock inside the seed. Likewise, the word of God has a clock inside of it. Because there's a seed of God. The seed, God's word is a, is a seed with a is sow sowing into our lives. Are you with me? So you learn it best by doing. Tell your neighbor, you, learn it, you can learn it best by doing it. One more time. So you learn it best by doing it. Whatever it is, you learn it best by doing it. You're learning driving. You learn it best by doing it. That's how you learn it. Not by watching other people drive. How many of you learn driving just watching other people drive? Well, you can learn the basics. You can get a hang of it. But that does not make you an expert driver. You drive, 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 drive. You become a good driver. Otherwise you will be a... You understand what I am talking about? That's how the word is. Even as you hear God speak to you, consider this right now as every time when God ministers to you the word, every time. You must consider this throughout. How can I practice this right now? Today. Today, right now. Don't wait for the word to do, have an effect in your life later. The word that, you came, that came to you today, don't keep it for the next month. Don't keep it for the next year. I'll do, I'll do something about it next month. Believe me, next month you'll not even remember the word. If the word came to you now, apply it now. Apply it today. It must be applied right now you know this this whole thing of being very selective in practicing God's word we are very 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 selective you know it's like you know somebody gives you a, a dessert and you you look at it you only like the you don't like the nuts so you split into two and you take out all the nuts am I speaking about my son here I think I am so you take off all the nuts but you like the chocolate you consume the chocolate or you like the cherry or you don't like the fruits, you take away all the fruits. That's not, not how we must approach the word of God. The, the word of God must be consumed or taken or used in its entirety. Amen. All of the word. Yes. All of God's word. Amen. Amen. That's why the Bible says all scripture. Say all scripture. All, all scripture. Can you put that scripture up? 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 2nd Timothy 3, 16. Let's read it together. All scripture. Say all scripture. It does not say some of scripture, a part of scripture. It says all scripture, meaning scripture in its entirety is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be, say adequate. Adequate and equipped for every good work. Say all of scripture. When the word comes to you, have all of it. Have all of it. Not just the top, not just the cream. You open the biscuit, take the cream. And keep the biscuit back. Expecting your parents to eat it. Did you have your biscuit? Yes. What did you have? The cream in between. Or for some people, it's the other way. Let's look at the sandwich. It can be different things. Don't be selective when it comes to God's word. Yes, you cannot be selective towards God's word. God's word must be treated for what it is, man. It's got a personality. It's got a personality. When you when you see, I'll tell you what is what exactly is happening. Do you know that God's word has a personality? Let's get, let's get that straight now. How many of you know that God's word has a personality? It's a person. You know that? It's a person. So when you say. I like this about the word of God, but I don't really like this about the word of God. You know what you're saying? You're telling the person, I don't like about, this about you. I don't like your eyes, but I like your hands. Or I don't like your looks, but I like your voice. See, you cannot, you cannot read God's word like that. It's a person. It's a person. You got to love it and for its entirety. Because it's God himself. God's word is God himself. All of it. Amen. All of this, all of it is for your equiping to make you adequate. Amen. Amen? Amen? For your correction, for your reproof, for your training in righteousness. Amen. All of it. Amen. Amen? So don't 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 nibble for the, the things that you the softer the softer things, the sweeter things. All of it is good for you. Are you with me? Yes. So we were considering the, the letter to the Laodicean church. And, uh, and even as we are talking about putting it to practice, it's a deeds. said deeds. deeds. So when you study, how many of you have studied the seven letters to the churches? Like any, at any point of time, either personally or in a group? Okay, some of you have. The seven letters to the churches are written by Jesus Christ to the seven churches which were um, in that part of Asia Minor. Uh, you know, you know the places that I mentioned, and um, there's one thing that is common, say common, in those letters, which stands out. In all those seven letters, there's one thing common. You know what it is? That is there. Something else that is common in all seven. I know you. Yeah. Jesus told all the seven churches, I know your, I know your works, I know your deeds, I know your practices, that's what it means. I know what you're practicing, I know your actions, are you with me? So the, the believer, you must, how many of you know that we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Some of you don't know. Some of you have bought into the idea that we don't don't have judgment. We we don't have judgment that the world will have, but we have a different kind of judgment. Okay, The church has a different kind of judgment. The Bible talks about it very clearly. We're not going to be judged with the world. We will judge the world, but we have a different kind of judgment. Do you know that? It's called the, the Bema Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat of Christ. It's found in multiple places in the Bible. We probably might look at Uh, Those places where, but you must understand, as a believer in Christ Jesus, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You know what will be evaluated? Your works say works. What you have done in the flesh will be brought under the scanner of his word will be brought under to be will be made to pass through fire Some like looking at where is that in the bible it's is it mentioned in now bible you mean i'll show you since you you are like giving me that look second corinthians chapter 5 it's mentioned in a few places but i'll i'll take out one specific direct Reference. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 onwards. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 onwards. It says, for we must all, say all. Written to the Corinthian church. Say church. church. Okay. It's written to the Corinthian church, church which includes you and I. Okay. It, it, if it refers to the church, it includes you and I. Okay. It says, we must all... Appear, say, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body. So you will be recompensed for the deeds in your body, for your works, according to what he has done. Say, done. done. Whether good or bad. Meaning your works will be evaluated. Is it a, was it a good work or was it a bad work? Your works will be, your deeds will be evaluated, whether it is Good or bad. That's why you must think twice before getting busy with your life, because you, what you do in the body, the deeds in the body, your works in the body will be evaluated, amen, on the by the standards of Christ, and it'll be checked whether it is good or bad. Are with me? Everything that you do, all your works. Verse 11 says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why the church must have godly fear, reverence, because we are going to stand before Christ. Let's just think about it. On one fine day, you will be standing before Christ, all by yourself, not with your pastor, by the way. I'll be standing separately, all by myself. You'll not be standing with your dad or your mom. You will be standing all by yourself not with your husband or your wife, all by yourself. They'll be, they'll have to do it separately. We all must appear one on one before the judgment seat of Christ where everything that you have done in the body, all your deeds, all your works, all your labor in the body, whether it is good or bad will be evaluated. Amen. And you'll be recompensed. Therefore, you must fear the Lord. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, that's why, as ministers, we persuade you. Otherwise, if salvation was all sufficient, if salvation was all there is to life, then why must we have ministers of God? Then why must we have the study of God's word? Then why must we have the preaching of God's word done to believers? God's word is coming to you, a believer in Christ Jesus, blood washed, spirit filled. You know why? Because you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ on that day where you will be recompensed for every deed. Every deed. Every action, every work, everything that you've built, everything that you've built, all your efforts, all your pursuits in life, all your accolades, your recognitions, your qualifications, everything, all of that will be evaluated. Your degrees will be evaluated. Not by NAC accreditation board. By the one in heaven. Everything that you've done. Everything that you spend your life on. Everything that you spend your energy on. Everything that you spend your money on. Everything, you money on. everything will be evaluated. First Corinthians 3, 9 onwards. We are not teaching works as they say works, but we are teaching the importance of works as they, as they don't know it, okay? I'm not teaching you works. We are not relying on works for our salvation. That's not what we are teaching here, but we are considering what it is when the Bible talks about works and deeds and actions. All right, let's read from 1 Corinthians 3, 9 to 15. For we are God's fellow does the Bible say workers? Yes. Do you know that you're a worker? Yes. You are God's fellow worker. You're working with God. Yes. That's what it means. The Bible says you are working alongside with God. You have a co-worker in Christ. Yes. You are a co-worker with God. Yes. You and God work in the same establishment. Yes. That's what it means. We are fellow workers with God. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. God's building. The ministers of God say, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. We must be careful how we build. The foundation already laid, the foundation is Christ. No better foundation could be laid than Christ, the Bible says. For no, no, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 11 says, So the foundation has been laid. Now you're building, say building. You're building upon that foundation. We are building each other upon that foundation. Every man's work, you must understand that, every man's work will come under the scanner. Because the foundation was the same. Christ, the foundation. If you come to Christ, the foundation is laid. And now we are going to build on top of it. Each man must be careful how he builds it. Verse 12 says, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. So now all these things can be used to to build. You you see that in in, in the world around us. We see that different kinds of structures. Some are built on concrete. Some are uh, built on mortar. Some are built on Brick, some some is built on, um, you know, wood. And like, look at this. If any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. So one day, the the material which you use to build your life will become evident. That's what it says. The resources or the material which you use to build on this foundation will become evident. Yes, you got saved. The foundation is strong. It's good. Which is that foundation? Christ himself. But how are you building on top of it? That material which you use, the materials which you use to build on top of the foundation will become evident on that day. For the day will show. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. It will be revealed with fire. Fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So this is not the fire on this earth, okay? This is not earthly fire. The fire in heaven, okay? The earth will for the day will show because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. So once it passes through fire... Then the fire will determine what must remain, what, what can pass through. That's why when you, I've, I've, I've made this illustration before, you take gold to sell to a, a goldsmith, that's right. He will say, he will first wait, and then he will say, this is not the final weight, I need to go and put it under the fire, then weigh it again, and there will be a difference for sure, if it has been used for a while. So likewise, he's saying, The day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality. Say quality. Quality. Say the quality. Quality. Say quality. Quality. Look at your neighbor and say quality. Quality. Ask your neighbor, what's your quality? Uh, Already you can feel it. What's the quality of your building? If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. Say reward. reward. So you, the problem is we are working for rewards on this earth. We are working hard for rewards on this earth. But the Bible talks about rewards on the other side. Yes. Yes. Rewards, which cannot perish. The rewards that you get on this side, you cannot take, take it with you. Yes. It will perish on this side. But the rewards that are in heaven will stay with you. If any man's work which he has built on it remains he will receive a reward if any man's work is burned up he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire see i don't want you to suffer loss if you're building with the wrong materials the day will come when you're building when your work will be tested with fire and the fire will make it evident the material with which you build your life, you build your works, your work was done. And if it remains, you'll get a reward. But if it does not remain, you will suffer loss. You'll be saved. You'll somehow make it. See, God doesn't want you to somehow make it. The problem is most Christians today have kind of uh, settled to somehow making it. will somehow barely making it. As through Hello? The Bible talks about an abundant supply will be given. Abundant supply will be given to you. For what? For, your, for the entrance into the kingdom. God wants to abundantly supply an entrance for you into the kingdom of God. But you are so focused on somehow. Somehow. By the time you reach the other side, everything will be burned off. Everything that you carried will be... Just imagine, you carried so much. Okay? I'm, I'm trying to illustrate. Okay, this is not how it actually is going to be, but for the sake of illustration, I'm just going to illustrate this. You're carrying all your works in both hands. All your works, all your labor, all your efforts, all, every, you think about it. What have you achieved? You're carrying it all. You're, you're walking with some some air. You're walking with so much of pride. Chin up. You're walking. And you stand before Christ. He said, okay, keep it down. Fire. If nothing remains, you can somehow, you can somehow make it. But that's, that's how it's going to be. That's my imagination, but that's how it's going to be. Everything that you do here, everything will be tested under fire. Not the kind of fire that you see when you strike the matchstick, but the fire which is in heaven, which burns before the furnace of God, the the altar of God. There's a fire in heaven. That fire will test the quality. Say quality. Say quality. Oh. Say quality. The quality of your work. Fire will test the quality of your work. That's what the Bible says. The quality of your deeds, the quality of your labor, your efforts, the, times that, the time that you spend, your resource, everything that you did on this earth, every deed will be brought under the test of the fire, testing of fire. There is no reward to live for on this earth. There is no reward to live for on this earth. But there is a reward to live for, which is not of this world. This is not of this world. Somebody listen to this. If I were to tell you that there's a reward, if you do this, you will get 10 lakh rupees. You'll all be so excited. But when I tell you there's a reward in heaven, for sure, yeah, amen. Get on with it. Yeah. The problem is when you reach there, you'll realize, just imagine, you reach there, you will realize all the lakhs and the crows and the gold and the silver which you amassed on this side means nothing on the other side. Amen. But when you stand there for the rest of eternity, which is not even... You cannot even compare this side with that side. This side is a drop. Say drop. Say momentary. momentary. The other one is eternal. Eternal weight of glory. This is momentary light. Say light. The other one is eternal weight of glory. And on that side when you stand, just imagine, just imagine, you carried so much, say carried so much. You were working so hard, say working so hard. I love it. Say working so hard. Some of you are working so hard. You are working so hard. Sleepless nights, working so hard, working so hard. You are working, 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 working. Then Christ says, okay, fire Where's your work? Where's your work? It's gone. Say gone. Like they say gone with the wind, it'll be gone with the fire. No reward. But he can go in. But the others, the ones who could present him something and the fire tested and proved that it was worthy material, genuine material, gold or silver or precious stones or things which can stand the test of fire, can take your rewards. You can take the rewards. You can receive the reward from Christ. The Lord will say, Okay. Well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Sometimes we need to picture all these things. Gotta picture these things. Picture these things in your mind. Standing alone with Christ. Now we are so comfortable because we have wifey next to us. We can squeeze a hand when you're feeling a little low. Or she can pat on your back. Or your children can come and give you a cuddle and you'll feel so excited. But there it's all by yourself. All by yourself. Where your work will be tested with fire. Man? Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All our works will be revealed with fire. So do not live any other way you feel like. Don't just live anywhere you want. Choose to build your life wisely. Say wisely. Wisely. Be wise. A wise builder. Builds according to the words of Christ. Choose to be a workman who need not be ashamed. The Bible says, you must be a workman who need not be ashamed. But, but, this, but he is approved by? Approved by whom? Say it loud. You don't know these scriptures. You must be a workman who need not be ashamed, but rather be approved by God. You got to be approved by God. Your work must be approved by God. Got to raise your standard of... Raise your standard of living. Raise your standard of living. Raise your standard of building. Say building. Raise your standard of work. Raise it. Raise your standard of works. Raise your standard of actions, your deeds. Assess your own work right now while you have still time. Assess your work. Make change. Make some changes. Make some amendments in the way you live your life on this earth when you have time. When you have time. I don't know whether I get to do this in heaven. I hope I will. I don't know. When you stand before Christ, I get to stand somewhere there and I told you. I wish I can do like that. But just, I'm doing it now. Prophetically. Told you. Told you. We must all, say we must all. Say all. All of us. We must all appear. Say appear. Each one of us. Each one of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So don't waste your valuable time criticizing somebody's work. You or somebody stop this, okay? This is something you must stop. First thing to stop. As a Christian, the first thing to stop. Right now. Today itself. Stop it. Stop criticizing other people's work. It's such a waste of time. I've been involved in it so much. So I know how much time I wasted but a good sense I've prevailed. By the grace of God, I've been delivered. I don't want to criticize other people's work. In fact, if, if, even if I see something, I'll say, yeah, let them, let them take it with the one who interested them. They will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But I, need, I, I don't want to waste my valuable time trying to criticize somebody's work and how they're doing it and go after their work and evaluate their work Whereas I, I have my own work to look into. I have my work to look into. When I stand there, I, I can't go and tell him, but I evaluated his work. What about your work? That was not your work. Some of you think that's, and that, that'll suffice, but you evaluate, you're, you are an evaluator of other people's work. You never evaluated your own work. Stop wasting time. Tell your neighbor, stop wasting time. Stop wasting time. Don't, don't criticize another workman. In the kingdom. Don't criticize. Let them be. You pray. If you have a burden, pray for them. Yeah. If you have a burden, pray for them. But don't go around talking about... Don't do that. Don't publicize their mistakes or their shortcomings. That's right. That's right. If you pray for them, then you have some work to show. At least you have some work to show. If you criticize, that also is God. But if you pray for the saints of God, the ministers of God, the believers, then you, that's a work for you to do. That's your work. Praying relentlessly, making petitions for all saints. The Bible instructs us to do that. Does the Bible anywhere say, criticize your brethren without, without ceasing? Does the Bible say that? Criticize without ceasing. Is there a scripture like that in the Bible? Complain without ceasing? Find fault without ceasing? Does the Bible say that? Tell me. Find fault without ceasing? No. The Bible in fact says do not judge. Lest you. That's right. Who are you to judge another man's? Absolutely. Huh? That's right. That's right. That's right. We have to give an account. Say account. Why did you say that? Why did you say that? You said that. You said that about that minister of God. You said that about this minister of God. You said that about your sister, your brother. In church, every idle word spoken. You had to give an account, why did you do that? Just imagine, right now you are feeling uncomfortable. But on that day, I will not be saying this. I will not be asking you why. It's a different voice. The sound of many waters will ask you. Why? I cannot even imitate. I cannot even be close to that voice. So the Bible, in fact, one of the things that Jesus taught us, he, he by example, He taught us this work when you have time. When it is still day, work. That's what he said. Now it is still called a day. Let me do the work. Because night is coming when no man will be able to work. Do you know that it applies to you and I? Night is coming when no man will be able to work. Yes. When you have still time, work. Yes. And work right. Amen. Hello, somebody. Work right. Amen. Get it right. Yes. Mend your ways. Change your ways. Amen. Correct your ways. Yes. Now that remind of that song. Uh, this is a song that you, you if, if possible, you must go back and listen to a song that... Uh, you know, there's a really amazing song. It's, the song is called Boy, Boycott Hell. Boycott Hell, okay? It's by a band by the name DiGarmo and Keys. An old, old uh, uh, classic. Um, it says, we got a job to do. Get out in the world and do it. You got a gift to use. Get out in the world and use it. Bury your foolish pride. We got to unionize. Boy, don't you think it's time to boycott hell? We got the strength to win, standing arm in arm together. Forget our differences. We can change the world forever. Bury your foolish pride. We got to unionize. Don't let a neighbor go from a holy, form a holy picket line. We got to let them know. Don't you think it's time to boycott hell? Man, it's time. Say it's time. It's time. It's time. So work when you have time man work when it is still time work when it is still day because the night is coming when no man say no man, no man no man no man will be able to work when you have time speak the word of god when you have time preach the gospel amen when you when you are still in the day preach the gospel share the word of god I want to read from Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. It's a letter to the church in Philadelphia. We, not that we have exhausted the letter to the church in Laodicea. We'll come back to it later, if the Lord wills. Um, But I wanted to show you something from Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. Onwards, and the church of the and the angel of the church in Philadelphia right? He who is, say holy, holy, who is true, who is that? Jesus. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, Amen. and who shuts and no one opens, says this. Amen. I know your. Deeds. I know your what? Deeds. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and I've kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance. Say perseverance. We heard about it today. Kept the word of my perseverance. Meaning you kept doing the word. That's what it means. You kept doing the word. How do you keep the word of his perseverance? You kept doing the word. You kept doing the word. You kept doing the word. You kept the word of my perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of testing. That hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly, hold fast what you have, so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. There is so much happening in that first line of introduction itself. And I want you to put yourself in a place where you are the church of Philadelphia. Okay, when you study the, church of, the letter to the, to the church of Philadelphia, you are the church of Philadelphia. When you study the, church, the letter to the church of Laodicea, you are the church of Laodicea. And that's how you apply the word. So put yourself in that place when you read this letter. To the Philadelphian Church, it says, "He who is holy, who is true." What is that? He who is holy, and who is true. What is holiness and what is truth? Who is true? Who is holy? Jesus is true. Jesus is holy. So, the, in the letter, the beginning line itself, he uses two words to describe or to attribute his divinity. Said divinity, divine attributes. He highlighted those divine attributes, and he's saying. He was holy, who is true. The Philadelphian church is actually assured of its divinity. I am the one. I am your God. Your God. The one who is holy. Who is holy? God. Who is true? God is true. The one who writes to this is one who is holy and true. Meaning God himself is writing to you. See the... The recipients, the the purpose with which this was written is so that the recipients who got this letter from Christ will know that it is from Christ. It's like a signature of God. It's like a description of God. So when, listen to this, when God communicates, he will let you know that he is the one who is communicating to you. He He will not leave it to like for guesswork. If God tells you something, he will let you know it. You may not pay attention to hear it. That's a different thing. But he will let you know that he is the one who is communicating to you. Amen. Amen. That's why even when you study the Old Testament, you see, thus says the Lord. Why should he say that? Because the Lord must, the, the, the hearer must know that the prophet is speaking on behalf of the Lord. Amen. So the, the opening line here is, he who is holy, who is true. So that the recipient will know it is God who is written, who is Christ who's written this letter to them that's why we cannot hide when god speaks to us you can try your best you can try it you can try your best to hide from god when he speaks to us but you cannot you know why because god will make it plain that i am the one who's speaking to you Therefore we are without we are without excuse when he speaks we can only try and pretend that we don't know i'm not sure whether god spoke to me or not we can pretend But when God speaks, you will know. When God speaks, you will know. Because he likes to validate his word every time he speaks to us. If you choose to listen. If you choose to care about it. If you choose to care about it, the Lord will validate his word. I know your deeds. I put before you an open door which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and I've kept my word and have not denied my name. It does not need so much power to do what God has called you to do. God is not asking you to do something beyond your ability. He's not asking you to do something beyond your ability. He's not asking you to show a strength beyond your capability. To do what he has called you to do, it just takes obedience. obedience. Say obedience. That's all it takes. You don't have to be super strong to do something God has called you to do. But your works are counted by him. He, he looks at, he gauges your work. And all it takes is obedience. Say obedience. Hallelujah. Who has the key of David. It's the key of David. What does that show? It's a messianic identity. The one who is of the household of David. The key of David. Isaiah 22 and verse 22. Then I will set the key of da- the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. It's about a certain personality. You can go back and study that chapter. So now, here, the same uh, phrase is used about whom? About Christ. He has this key of David. It signify, What does the key signify? Say authority. Amen. Key signifies authority. So he is letting the, lead, uh, the reader know that I am the one with authority. Say authority. So first one is divinity. Then he talks about authority. Amen. His identity. Amen. And he goes on to talk about who opens and no one will shut. And who shuts and no one opens. What does it underline? Huh? That's right. Sovereignty. When God does something, nobody can reverse it. Yes, amen. 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 When God does something, when I open, no one can shut. When I shut, no one can open. Yes. He's got authority. He's got divinity. He's got sovereignty. Amen. He's the Messiah. Amen. amen? And he, then He says, "I know your deeds." Amen. Hallelujah. The one who has authority. The one who has sovereignty. The one who is the the divine, uh, divinity. And the, the messianic identity comes to you and tells you, I know your deeds. He knows everything that you've done, mindful of everything that you've done. Nothing escapes its notice. So when you are assured about the fact that God is intric- uh, like you know intensely or intimately acquainted with all your ways, everything that you've done is under the scanner of God, it will change the way you live your life. Your works will be different. The way you approach your life on this earth will be different. You will not live the same way you lived all your life. It will change. I know your deeds. I know your works. And then goes on to say, I have placed before you an open door which no one can shut. Say open door. Open door. And you can say, "Okay, what's the big deal about an open door? What does a door signify? I'm going to close with this. What does a door signify? Huh? Entrance, that's right. Door, door signifies an entrance. What else? Opportunity, that's right. Access. New, it's a new beginning, that's right. Shift, who said shift? That's right. Transition, access. So Jesus evaluates the deeds of the church, fully knows about the little strength and places before them and open door says, you don't have to worry about pushing it open. Just just look at this. He places an open door before the church and says, I place before this open door. Don't worry, nobody will shut it. You don't have to worry about how to open this. I keep it open. Because I know you only have a little strength. All it takes for you to enter into that door is obedience. And you are in such a season now. God is placing before you an open door. An open of access. An open door of access. A a season of access. A season of changes. A season of uh, transitions. A season of opportunities. A season of ministering. Amen. A season of shift. A season of new beginnings. And by the looks of it, he knows that, he knows exactly, you only have a little strength. You won't be able to do it by yourself. But he says, I place before you an open door. Just obey. Respond. Respond. Enter in. That's all. Enter in. And then he confirms it to you. Don't worry. Nobody's going to shut it. Nobody. When I open, nobody can shut it. And when I shut, nobody can open it. Meaning there is a time when it will be shut. Are you with me? It's a prophetic word for you. It's a season of an open door before you. A season of opportunities. A season of transition. A season of breakthrough. A season of persisting. Amen. A season of entering in. A season of new beginnings. Amen. And God is placing before you this open door. And if you're saying with my little strength, I can't, God is telling you, He does not need your strength to open it for you. He has already opened it for you. That's the season that you're in. It's an open door. Say obedience. Say obedience. Say obedience. When that open door is placed before you, how will you respond? How will you respond to that open door? It's like you stand before something and the door is open and you know that some, inside that door is all of goodness, full of goodness, full of glory. Will you stand outside of it thinking how you we'll, how will open the door or will you just enter in? If you are in the right sense, you will just enter in because you know that door is already open and The Lord wants to confirm it to you. The door is open. The door is open. It's a time for spiritual transitions, amen. amen. Time, time for spiritual transitions. It's a time to persist, enter in, and persist, amen. See the even I, I was, I was amazed at certain things, you know, that, that the Lord has been doing, even, uh, even as we consider Yarish, for example. I don't know from where we got the idea of the key. To be in that logo. Okay. But now I know the Lord is ministering something to us. We are in that season where it's open. You have the access. The key is in your hand. It's open. Amen. Amen. You have the passcode. You have the the access code to enter in. And make possession of what God has kept for you. And if you're going to just sit on this side wondering what to do about the door. The door is there, but it's open. It's open. It's a spiritual door. It's open. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Somebody get this. Amen. Somebody get this. Amen. amen. Yes. See, I'm telling you, you, you have through that door, you can walk in through that door into divine access, amen. into supernatural change, amen. into miraculous provision. Yes. Amen. Into new beginnings into unprecedented opportunities. Amen. It's everything in the spiritual. Everything is in the spiritual. Yes. Yes. It's in the spiritual. Amen. If you're going to sit on this side and, and, and just sulk about it, nothing is moving, nothing is happening, you're going to miss out. Because the time will come, the door will be shut. Yes. The time will come and the door will be shut. But now, the Lord has sent me to tell you, the door is open. Amen. The door is open. Yes. man. Yes. Hallelujah. Respond. Amen. Take this word with you. Yes. The door is open.